Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory and Lilun Ishmat Batya Bat Rachel, Alea Shalom. My incredible, special, modest giving of unconditional love, care, and selfless grandmother. She was one of a kind, an extraordinary, special soul. Ana Azkara, sponsored by a granddaughter, Miriam Kashanian. Ruach Halani Also dedicated by Mauricio and Laura Sion from South Florida to the success of the Dweck family from London and to Rabbi Farhi. May he continue to inspire and extend Torah knowledge, not only to his live audience from New York, but also to the podcast audience like ourselves across the world, Baruch Hashem. We have with us someone here today who only found out that this class was live yesterday. So people don't realize that the class is actually live every day. Baruch Hashem, Azaku Baruch. Welcome, we're happy to have you here with us. for your father inshallah. Sponsored also by Yossi Levi, dedicating memory and Lilun Ishmat Chacham Elimelech Ben Eliezer, Alava Shalom, and sponsored by Sarah and Shai Mahani, dedicating celebration of the marriage of Charlotte Harari and Chaim Shechtman. Uh, breakfast and class is dedicated in honor of Haimi Chira, sponsored by Sammy Sutton. The week of Cobra is sponsored by David Yash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Breakfast and the class, lastly, but not leastly, is dedicated in celebration of the engagement of Isaac Syed, son of Sammy Syed, Alava Shalom, and Rochelle to Esther Haddad, sponsored by Rishi and James Haddad, Mazaltob, Simantob, Mabruk. Congratulations to the wonderful and amazing couple that I actually know personally and I'm a huge fan of. Ishtabach Shemo. Rabotai, the Pasuk says, a person should not burn a fire in all of the residences. The Jewish people should not burn a fire in any of their residences on the day of Shabbat. Now, there was once, my, uh, the, the, the Gemara brings that there was once a massive Roman general who came to the rabbis and he said, you know, uh, <laughs> you think Moshe Rabbeinu is such a big deal, okay? This general, his name was Adrianus Caesar. Eventually he became, from the general that led the initial siege against Yerushalayim and the destruction of the second temple, he eventually became, went up to, to Rome, became the Roman Caesar, uh, and instead, in his stead, uh, Titus came. And he became the one that uh, started the war. But in the beginning we have Adrianus, Hadrian, so Adrianus Caesar, he came to Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanina. And he said to him, you know, you guys always talk about how great Moshe Rabbeinu is. I'm bigger, I'm better than Moshe Rabbeinu. She says, he says, what are you talking about? He says, listen, Moshe Rabbeinu is dead. Your leader, dead. However big he was, Rahit, me, look at me. I'm alive, I'm kicking. I'm wearing flowers in my hair, okay? Shtabah shemo. Fantastic. Rabbi Shua ben Hanina says, you think you're bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu? He says, listen, I want you to issue a command. Do you think, he says, that you have control over your people, over your followers? You have to realize back in uh, ancient Rome, either you were involved in the coup, or they were running a coup against you. There were uh, no other alternatives. Either you were killing the previous king, senator, whatever, or there was something going on against you. But that's the life that they lived. So he said to him, do you think you have loyalty in your subjects? Could you demand, could you issue a decree 
that no one should light a fire uh, amongst, the Roman, uh, amongst the Roman people. Guy says, absolutely. No, of course, no one's going to disobey. He says, okay, three days. He says, you think people will keep, you think people will keep it? He says, absolutely. He issues a decree. No one should light a fire for the next three days. That night, the sun sets. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanina goes with Adrianus Kesar. He goes up to the top of a mountain. They start looking. What do they see? They see, uh, the, the, they can see in the, in the nighttime, there's fire. He says, what happened? I thought you said, no one's going to, no one's going to, they're going to listen to you. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. He goes, that house over there where you see the fire and the smoke, that's the house of one of my ministers. This minister, this guy, you know, he wasn't feeling so well. So the doctor told him he should have a hot tea or whatever. So I'm aware of it, Yanni. Like, I know what's going on over there. Rabbi Shua Hanina says to him, he says, listen, three days, yes, for now, no fire. And look, it's the first night, not even on the first night are they keeping your decree. And the person who's breaking your decree is not breaking it for pikuach nefesh, he's breaking it because he has a cold, okay? And not only that, it's not just a regular person, it's one of your own advisors. You're in a court. When Moshe Rabbeinu said, no one should light a fire for Shabbat, it didn't last three days, it didn't last three years, it didn't last 300 years, it lasted thousands of years. And still those that are the inner circle, the, those that are you know, committed to Torah, true Judaism, not a single one of them would ever dare to do so, unless it was a matter Simply, literally, of life or death. Moshe Rabbeinu said, don't, lo esh, that was it. Now my friends, although uh, this idea of bi'ur, of lighting a fire of Shmirat Shabbat, is something which encompasses, as we know, 39 melachot and many, many, many toldot, many uh, children, if you will, of the, of the father melacha. So what's an example? The, the melacha is tofer. You're not allowed to sew two things together. But if you stick two things together, even if you don't use thread, even if that might not be, the av melacha, the daddy melacha, that's considered the tolda, the child of the father melacha. There are many examples of this concept, okay? My friends, listen to this. We have many, many excuse me, melachot that you're not allowed to do on Shabbat. But when the Torah tells you what you're not allowed to do, which milacha does it use? You shall not light a fire. And all of your, uh, uh, all of your homes. On the day of Shabbat. So the example that was chosen here was lighting a fire. But there's no difference between lighting a fire and doing any of the other lamentet milachot. Any of the other 39. They're all the same. There's no qualitative difference. Our rabbis tell us, though, that one of the reasons why we chose specifically this one in order to command you not to do melacha, let's say it would not have said the isur of fire. Would you know that you're still not allowed to do the 39 melachot? Yes, we learn it from. There's other places where we learn it from. So we didn't need a specific commandment for fire in order to bring about the commands. Why did it give you this commandment? And our, our chamim say something marvelous. They say that aside from lighting a fire in your house on Shabbat, there's also the isur 
of a fire raging in your house on Shabbat. We know that when a person gets angry, that's called esh. A person's anger is called, it burned inside. The hamato ba'arabo. So the word lo tiva'aru esh, you shall not have a fire that consumes. You shall not have a fire. That fire is also the fire the, that when a person loses their temper. Where else do we find the concept of fire? By certain uh, random, uh, like as an example, by jealousy. We find that there's esh hakinah, the fire of jealousy. But this isur, the isur of getting angry on Shabbat, is something that our rabbis were very, very makpid on. That if you came to a place, if you came to a Shabbat, a Jewish home, a person should not lose their temper. Now the challenge I think most people will tell you is, what do you mean, don't lose your temper? It's not up to me. If the person gets me angry, if they make me angry, then... But unfortunately, I would love to give you that, that hall pass, that get out of jail free card. But that's not actually how things really work. Rav Noach Weinberg was fond of giving an example. He said, you have people all the time, they say, look, Rabbi, that's just my, that's just how I was, that's just me. That's how I was born. I run hot. <laughs> Love me or leave me. This is who I am. He always used to say, you know, the same guy that says that they can't control their temper, all of a sudden they're driving in their car, some guy bumps them from behind at a red light. They get out of their car, they have very choice words for this man. They've chosen them, and those words are not from the Torah. Okay? They have words for this man, Shema Israel. Right? He gets out of his car. He's got his fist like this. As he gets out of the car, the guy who bumped him from behind gets out of his car. Had that gets out of the car. Seven foot tall, 300 pounds. Linebacker, not for the Giants, because if it was for the Giants, you could just run around them. But any other team where a linebacker actually could do some damage. Seven foot tall. And then he reaches in his car for good measure and he pulls out a baseball bat. What you got? What are you going to say? Huh? The guy's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I uh, shortstopped in front of you. Michila, if there's anything I could do to pay for your bumper, right? All of a sudden, the guy, who can't, the guy who can't control his anger, it's not up to me. Rabbi, this is why I am. No, 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 you're not. Not when you, when you need to control it, you control it. The same guy who at home yells at his wife, yells at his kids, yells at everybody, he goes to the office and he's uh, doing the biggest deal of his life and the guy across the table from him, says the same thing to his, you know, look, it doesn't look like you put in, doesn't look like you put in enough preparation to this, you know, uh, this, does, this seems half-baked. What does the guy say? Takes his papers, he says, you know what, you're right, let me, let me redo the numbers, and I'll come back to you. It's a deal of his lifetime. My friends, losing your temper, especially with your family, is the deal of a lifetime. Things happen, things are said when you get angry that you cannot unsay. And this myth of the fact that you are a victim and you can't actually keep it together, we all know it's not true. I want to share with you an unbelievable story. There's a rabbi, his name was 
Rabbi Shabtai Finkel, otherwise known as uh, Frankel, otherwise known as Shapsley Frankel. Okay, this man, he's famous. Um, he's famous for his, a book that he released, a book that many of you have used, but you don't know that you've used it. What did he do? He has a special edition of the Sefarim of Harambam. And he made this his life's mission to be able to compile the most accurate writings of the books of Harambam according to the most up-to-date, the most correct Nuschaot Girsot. He went round the world and he traveled to all the ancient libraries and he got copies of each version of Harambam, compared them one against the other, found the mistakes, then he had an entire group of rabbis sitting down, writing in the back of his uh, Frankel, what they call them is Frankel Rambam. In the back, asking all the questions, making notations. It is literally the work of a lifetime, a work that has been used by every single yeshiva, every single rabbi, every single layman that studies Rambam. That's the book that we use. Go upstairs in our Bet Midrash, you'll see it. It's brown. You'll see it, you'll, when you see that book, you'll recognize that that's the one that you see around the whole world. When he was putting out the books, so it was very difficult to obtain these ancient manuscripts. Why? Because countries that have these manuscripts, they don't let them go. And it's a matter of pride, as an example, to Egypt that they have that manuscript, they'll never let anyone take it. This man was an unstoppable force and an immovable object. He was both. He got ambassadors. He spoke to prime ministers. He spoke to presidents. He spoke to members of parliament. He spoke to this one, to that one. He raised a fortune of money until eventually he pulled off the coup of the century. They managed to find an ancient manuscript written specifically by the student of Harambam in Egypt. The countries, literally the diplomacy that was required to release this document to the rabbi was unbelievable. And finally, they get the document. It's an ancient parchment scroll, not even the whole thing. It's falling apart, but you can see, you can make out, and we could, it could be used. Anyway, the whole office is buzzing the day the document arrives. It's sitting on the desk of Rabbi Frankel. He's getting ready to analyze it, to look at it. You know, who knows how much will be done with this, how many halakhot will be made clear, how many mistakes will be revealed. In walks the rabbi's uh, right-hand man, his assistant. He's so excited to see the book. He comes uh, over to the table. He puts his coffee down on the edge of the table. He leans over and somehow, inexplicably, he loses his footing, he trips on the chair, on the foot of the table, knocks the coffee cup over directly on the priceless manuscript. A piece of parchment's falling apart, now covered in coffee, probably ruined forever. Every word that you can't see is a whole world that's gone now. Think of the effort Think of the money. Listen to this, my friends. 
This man, Rabbi Shapsi Frankel, stands up, leaves the room. The assistant could only imagine that he went to get his severance papers. He comes back in two minutes later, holding a cup of coffee, and he says, my dear assistant, he goes, your first cup spilled, I went to get you another cup of coffee. You know some stories you find inspiring? I always found this story so irritating. It's annoying that someone could be that perfect. You know why? Because it makes us realize that we are actually so much more capable that it was irreplaceable. It was an object of inestimable value. Of inestimable value. And who's the dib that puts... A, a cup of coffee on the table. When you go to these museums, you come, you want to get in the same room as the manuscript. You have gloves, they have special lights, they change the air conditioning. That's what it's like. It's a priceless, irreplaceable document. And the guy spills coffee all over it, and the guy goes out, and he comes back, and he says, Cobra has been sponsored by David E. Ash. <laughs> In honor of you and your substantial capacity to mess things up every day. <laughs> that's, I don't know, that's what I would, I, I, you know? My friends, today there is not a Bet Midrash, there's not a Bet Knesset in the world that does not have the Frankel Rambams on its shelves. And I believe that that is for the sake of this ability, this capability to extinguish the fire. It is not by accident that couples, that families fight Erev Shabbat. Friday, sun's going down. Lighting candles, supposed to be the most serene time. Least serene time. Very serene for couples. Very serene, you know, that's it, they're just you know, a guy and a girl. You, know, you got kids, Why, who, get out of the shower, right? You don't understand? What's going on? That a family that never fights, all of a sudden is fighting now. The rabbis tell us that the Chafetz Chaim understand, the Chafetz Chaim explained that the Yetzir Hara understands the power of a peaceful Shabbat. And he will do anything to uproot a peaceful Shabbat. So you know what he does? He cooks up scenarios. All of a sudden, the same person who takes a two-minute shower, you know, during the week, the same kid that you have to beg to get in the shower, and takes one sh second, he gets out, you don't even know if he cleaned his hair. Like, you know? Of course, I'm not, sp I, I'm not speaking about my own son here. I'm speaking in general. <laughs> I gotta be careful if I say he in my family. There's only one. Everyone thinks they know what I'm talking about. All right? If I say she, I'm good. All right? Five girls. They can apportion the blame, you know? The same kid, all of a sudden, he's taking luxurious shower. And now, you know, now when you need, to, everyone needs to get ready. The Yetzahara knows. My friends, that's why when we come to the Shabbat table, what's the first thing we say? 
Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharet. Right? We start off with words of peace. We ask that the angels, they give us a beracha, that they should see the peace that reigns in our house, and they should bless us with a week ahead of no fighting, a week ahead of more peace. Interesting. We don't mention anything else. That's how we start. Shalom Aleichem. We don't start off by saying, Bo'achem the Shalom. Think about that. That would be the natural thing you would say to the angels. Welcome. No. Before we even welcome them, we start with this concept of Shalom Aleichem, wishing peace on somebody. I would like to ask that this Shabbat, we all take on ourselves the concept of Lotibaru Esh Bechomoshuotechem. A fire shall not burn in our homes. All this week we've been looking for different zikhuyot um, for Yaakov Yisrael ben Tamar Malka. And we've come up with a fair few beautiful things. But I'd like to ask if the people who will hear this podcast, the people that will hear the shiur, both live and out there, if they could message me personally that they accept on themselves not to lose their temper over this Shabbat. I'm not talking about every Shabbat, just this Shabbat. Not to get any, no matter what happens. Someone spills the Dr. Pepper on your table, right? Yaakov Yisrael ben Tamar Malka. Something happens, the kid didn't wake up for shul, even though he promised you he was going to come. I always say, in Birkat Amazon, some people have to say, Hazan ale, right? Hazan etakol. Some people have to say, Hazen etakol. That's what they need. More than food in that house. They need a little bit of zen, a little bit of nice energy, a little bit of calm in the house. Please, in the merit of being able to maintain this shalom, of not losing your temper, of recognizing in that minute, you know what? I'll get angry after Shabbat. Motzei Shabbat, we'll have a conversation. But Shabbat is not the time. It's not the time and it's not the place. You know, we understand that when it comes to work, we don't work on Shabbat. In the way that we understand that we don't work on Shabbat and the purpose of non-working is to create a spirit, a sense of spirituality my friends, there's also an obligation to create and to make that feeling in the home. Why do we light Shabbat candles? Do you know? Shalom bait. Did you know that? To create peace in the home. So you could see, you're not falling over each other. You could see the beautiful meal that your wife made. That, that, the candles were their lights. They had an obligation to have the light in their home in order to have peace. My friends, dachilkon, please, teish, I beg of you, make Shabbat an anger-free zone. You will see the blessing of Shabbat come through. And as our Chachamim tell us, when the angels come and they see a husband and wife not fighting, children, brothers, sisters, when there's no machloket, the angels have an obligation they are compelled 
to be able to bless that people, that family, that the following whole week should be a week full of shalom. May Hashem bless us to be able to make that investment so that we are blessed with an existence of peace. Amen. Rabbi